book of Matthew chapter 4. The book of Matthew chapter 4. Where I was planning to go last week, but the Lord had different plans for us last week. I don't know, some of you may not have ever been in a Jericho march before, but got a little bit Pentecostal last week. <laughs> Amen. Y'all are quiet this morning. I, I got to gear up. There's going to be a oh, no amen Sunday at sound. Y'all are quiet. Wait, shake the person. There come the lights. That's going to wake y'all up. Shake the person beside you a little bit. Make sure they're awake. The book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version this morning. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19 says this. And he saith unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I want to speak to you on that subject, making fishers of men. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask for the Lord to anoint me as I do the same for you? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. You are in this house, oh Lord. Thank you for lives that have already been touched, Lord, by your presence and by your power. Now, Lord, I just ask that you would just anoint the ears, Lord, and the minds of every hearer here today, both in this building, watching by, by YouTube, listening by podcast, that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit, that they'd be receptive to what you have to them. Let, it, let the seed of the word fall on good ground and bring forth a multiplied harvest. Now, Lord, I ask that you would just anoint me. Lord, I am incapable on my own of changing anybody. But, Lord, I believe that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. And I ask that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. God, let the word of God be like fire shut up in my bones here today. And, God, we thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody say Amen. Before you're seated, turn around to two or three people, give them a fist bump, smile at them, tell them you're glad to see them at Starkville Church of God this morning. If y'all give me just a little bit in the monitor, I would appreciate it so much. I don't want to blow everybody out there out, but give me just a little bit up here. I'd appreciate it. Making fissures of men. I believe that salvation is really best seen when it leads those saved to pursue the salvation of others. Now, I'm not going to get into this. Maybe one day it's kind of been on my heart. I don't know if I will. I'm reminded of the story where the lepers were cleansed and only one returned to give the Lord thanks. A lot of times, we who are saved, we who are washed in the blood, we who have been given so much, so easy it is for us to take what we have been given and forget about the fact that we have been commissioned to not just keep what we've been given, but to give that then away to others. God has not called us to just be saved and just keep it all to ourselves. The best picture of salvation is when those that are saved begin to pursue the salvation of those around them. You see, we follow the example of Christ when we become fishers of men. It was Jesus himself in the book of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 that said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. 
Jesus Christ came to save those that were lost, to save those that were in need of a Savior. In fact, he said it like this at one point. He said, it's not the well that need a doctor. He said, it is the sick that need a a doctor. And God, can I tell you this? God has called us, Starkville Church of God. He has called us to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that have not heard it and those that do not know him. We have a commission. We have a call on our life. And it's not just the pastor. Oh, wow. It really is a no amen Sunday. It's not just the pastor. Somebody say amen. It is not just the pastor that has been called to spread the gospel. Let's look at a few points this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is something we must do, and that is, he said, follow me. You see, we must be separated to him so that we may pursue his purposes. Jesus here, as Brother Eric has already mentioned this morning through the Scripture, how he came and he came to those. He, he chose to take the foolish to confound the wise. When Jesus showed up and he started calling disciples, he didn't show up at the temple. He didn't show up at the synagogue. He didn't show up at whatever type of universities that they had in that day. Where did he show up? He showed up at the fishing hole. He showed up to those uneducated, unlearned fishermen, and he called them, and he said, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He called them out of where they were and called them to be with him. You see, Christ still does that in 1 Peter 2 and 9. We find, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, I believe that we can't follow him without leaving others behind. Now, I know, and you've heard me preach enough, that you know that God has not called us to go out into the wilderness somewhere and build a compound and try to build some sort of utopia there. Absolutely not. But God has, in a sense, called us out. When we get saved, we're not going to hang around the same places. We're not going to do the same things. God calls us out of the darkness. We're not going to hang out at the bars anymore. We're not going to hang out at the clubs anymore. I know it's a no amen Sunday, so I'm just going to keep on going. We're not going to hang out at the same old places and do the same things anymore. Why? Because he's calling us out. As Jesus called those fishermen, as Peter would later on and say, we've been called as a priesthood, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we are going to be fishers of men, we must first of all realize he has called us out. Matthew 6, 24. I read this a couple of Sundays ago. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, we have got to decide who are we serving. Who are we in service for? Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving God? You see, we must obey him so that we will learn his Method. Want to li- listen to me here? I believe we got to do a couple things here. First of all, we've got to teach what he taught. Everybody say, teach what he taught. Matthew twenty-eight and twenty, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Teaching them to observe all things. Everybody say, all things. 
whatsoever I have commanded you. You know, we're living in a day where, let's just be honest, it would be easier to not teach all things, wouldn't it? At this point in time, it would be a lot easier to just not mention some stuff. Come on, it would be easier for me as a pastor, as a pastor that, that is seeking growth and seeking a church to continue to grow. Thank God we're not where we used to be, but we hadn't got to where we're going to be. But as a preacher, as a pastor, it would be easy for me to say, you know, it's probably not a good idea for me to mention a few things, some of those hot topics, because some people aren't really going to like that. But can I tell you today that I have been called to teach all things, that we as the church, we have been called to teach all things. We don't have the luxury to pick and choose what we want to teach or what we want to believe. I believe that I'm, I'm a firm, but I'm a full gospel believer. I believe that I've been called to preach this entire book from cover to cover. I have been called, even in the Old Testament, I know that there's principles and there's things. We're living under the new covenant. I know that. But there's principles still, even in the Old Testament, that God has called us to teach all things that He has sin. We can't avoid the touchy thing. I'm going to move on. What else do we have to do? We have to not only just teach what he taught, but we need to teach as he taught. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7 says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. You see, unfortunately, Christians can be some of the most mean spiteful and hateful people on this planet pastors included you know i just i i i, I just gotta I, I hate social media in a lot of ways in most ways i, I hate it right now we, some know some don't we are a part of the of the denomination the church of god and we've got our supposed to be every two years but of course with covid it's been four we're meeting in san antonio this coming week and I see already, even just this morning, you know, people making their, their comments and, and their cuts toward one another. And listen, I'm certainly not. I believe that the Bible teaches us that, that leaders are to get together and we're to study the Scriptures and we're to talk about the Scriptures. But listen, we can be some of the most mean and spiteful and hateful people. We, they, they is. If somebody don't agree exactly with what I think, I'm going to go ahead and make a slander and make a cut toward them and hope that my friends will like it or maybe even love it or put a good comment to well, y'all y'all don't even know what I'm talking about because I know none of y'all would ever do anything like that. But Christians can be some of the most spiteful, hateful people. And I think most of y'all know, can I just stand here and tell you flat-footed, just so you know, I think most of y'all know, that I believe that the Bible is very clear about things. The Bible is very clear about homosexuality, that it's a sin. The Bible is also very clear about the fact that heterosexual sex outside of marriage is a sin. The Bible is clear about all that. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go outside. I'm not going to stand with a sign that says that God hates queers. That's not the way to do it either. He said, but we were gentle among you, even a nurse, as a nurse cherisheth her children. In Jude chapter, excuse me, there's only one chapter, verses 22 and 23, and of some have compassion making a difference listen there's some people that you are never going to win shouting at them i'm just going to go ahead and get this all out of my system so i can be done for the day and i'm going to tell you that just posting your opinion this is what i got to say and I, there i just 
dare to say that there are very few people that have ever been changed or evangelized by these brass, know-it-all, uh, uh, hateful Facebook posts. Jude said on some outcome, but there are some people that you've got to love them into the kingdom. They don't need you to, 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 now they don't need you to lie to them, I know. They don't need you to not tell, they need the truth, but they also don't need you to come in spite and hatefulness, some having compassion, making a difference. And let's just be honest, and then in verse 23, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating the, even the garment spotted by the flesh. I'll tell you this, this is what I believe as I've watched the ministry of Jesus throughout the Gospels. I'm always drawn because so many people are divided in so many ways. I'm always drawn to the woman that was caught in adultery. They drag her out and they throw her in front of Jesus. They're ready to put Jesus to the test. Because the law said what? That caught in the act of adultery is supposed to be stoned to death. And Jesus said, all right, I'm not going to argue with you there, but you that's without sin, cast the first stone. Y'all know what happened in the story. There, there's a lot of different, and I'm not preaching that message today. I, there's a lot more to that, but I'm not going to say it. But they start dropping rocks and walking off until finally the woman is there down, and obviously she, she had been down. She's, I mean, she's waiting for rocks to start hitting her. And she looks up, and all there is there is Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord, that'll preach right there. <laughs> he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she's looking around. They're all gone. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. Now, now we got two different camps. We got those that would want to just go ahead and throw the rocks at her. And then we've got some that want to leave off what he said next. And he said, go and sin no more. Listen, we got a responsibility. We got a responsibility to love them. We got to teach. Remember what I'm saying here. We teach what he taught and we teach as he taught and he showed it there. He showed it in that picture. That is one of the most beautiful pictures of him as he taught and what he taught. How did he teach? He taught in love. He didn't throw rocks at her. He loved her. But he also told her the truth and said, girl, that's enough of that lifestyle. Don't live that way no more. We've got a responsibility to do that, don't we? We've got a responsibility to love the sin. And hate. we used to preach that all the time. I don't know why we got away with it. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. I love you. I care about you. I'm not here to throw rocks at you, but i got to tell you the truth of what the gospel says. Then we got to teach those he taught. He taught the poor, those that didn't have anything to offer he taught the rich he taught you said well where does he talk about you you don't find a whole lot of the story but all you got to do is go to after jesus was dead and you find a man named joseph of arimathea everybody ever heard of him the bible said that he went and he begged for the body of jesus from Pilate. can i just tell you and i've preached this before god god wants the poor and god wants the rich god's got a job for all of them to do because joseph of arimathea had something that a lot of the the disciples they didn't have he had clout and he went to Pilate. And he he begged and he said give me the body of jesus i got a tomb i'm going to put him in there he preached to the poor he preached to the rich he preached to those that had it together go to the house of lazarus and we find one of those sisters her name was martha everybody say martha martha what she had it all together didn't she 
Martha, I mean, she had her, her, she had her mess together. I mean, she was serving. She was going. She had supper cooked. She knew what Jesus liked. Come on, Jesus ate over there often. Don't y'all know that old Martha knew exactly what Jesus liked to eat? And Martha was cooking. Martha was serving. Martha seemed to have everything together. And he taught her and loved her. And then those there were those who didn't. The other sister, Mary. Mary, who Martha was trying, hey, can you please help me? Come on, somebody that lives with a family. Have you ever been doing something, cleaning, cooking, and you look at your wife or your brother or your sister and somebody else and please help. Then there's Mary, who just didn't really seem to have it all together. But Jesus loved and taught her too. The adults, the children, everybody. Can I just remind you that this is a gospel for all people. Jesus wants us to teach. He said, therefore, go and teach all nations. Doesn't matter whether they're poor, whether they're rich, whether they got it together, whether they don't, whether they're adults, whether they're children. It doesn't matter their skin color. It doesn't matter their heritage. He taught every single one that would listen to him. Secondly, there's something he will do. He said, I will make you. You see, by our following Jesus, he brings conviction and conversion in men. He uses our example to bring others where he wants them to be. Can I just tell you, you are a walking, talking, living, breathing testimony for Jesus Christ. You may never stand behind a pulpit. You may never hold a microphone. You may never preach a three-point sermon. But can I tell you, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are a witness. You are an example. You are a walking, talking sermon every day you go to work. You are a sermon that somebody else is hearing. And by His Spirit, He qualifies us to reach men and women. This was something I will make you. Now, I'm big on, I'm big on God. I believe God wants us to do things, but I'm also big on the fact that He's got to do some things for us sometimes. And He said, I will make you. It is by His secret working on men's heart that He makes us successful in our work. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to work on the hearts of those that we witness to. I'm not that convincing of a salesman, I don't think. But the reason that I believe that God will make me a fisher of man and help me to win souls is because I'm not just selling vacuum cleaners. I'm not just selling used cars. I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the spirit of the living God that will begin to deal with the heart of the man or the woman or the boy and the girl to which I am sharing this good news. And it is the spirit of God that is already there working. Come on, somebody, give God praise. Some of you would say, well, you know what? 
I'm just not a, I can't sing like those on the platform. I'm not really a good spokesman or spokeswoman. I, I just don't know that I ever can. Listen, you may not be able to, but I'm telling you that Jesus can make you a fisher of man. Because why? Because you've got the greatest assistant that has ever been in the history of the world. You've got the Holy Ghost of God to that person at work that you need a witness to. If you start praying for them and say, oh, Holy Ghost of God, would you just begin to work on their heart? Would you just begin to deal with them? And when you begin to talk about the Lord to them, God has already been there working on their hearts. Have you ever talked to somebody before and you knew good and well God's already been dealing with them? It wasn't because you were such a great spokesperson. It wasn't because you had such a great speech put together. It was because the Spirit of Almighty God had already been there dealing with their hearts. He said, I'll make you. Thirdly, an image is given to instruct us. We're given this picture that as he calls these fishermen, he says, I want to make you fishers of men. See, the one who saves souls is like a fisher out in the sea. And when you study about fishermen, you find a few things about them, and they should reflect because this image is given. Aren't you glad that Jesus, he came to teach simple people like me? And he gives these images, and this image he gives is like a fisher, a fisherman, and he said there's some things that we know about fishermen. First of all, they were dependent and trustful. One particular case, they were actually fishing for fish. And Jesus shows up, and they said, we've been fishing all night, Lord. We've been fishing and fishing and fishing. We are worn out. We are tired. And Jesus said, the carpenter's son said to the fisherman, cast your nets on the other side. And what happened? They did just that. And the Bible said they cast their nets on the other side. And the Bible said that they began to pull up so much fish that the boats began to sink. The nets began to break, and the boat began to sink. Why? Because they were dependent and they were trustful. I'm going to say something here, and I want you to listen very carefully to me, and I don't want you to take this in any wrong way. We've got to, first of all, and certainly trust God at all times. We got to trust this book. Listen, when everybody else and everything else will lie to you, this book will not lie to you. Second of all, there are going to be times where we're going to have to trust leadership. I knew it would be quiet there. I want to tell you, some of you that have been in charge of stuff before, you know things. And you know that sometimes in leadership, sometimes, and I know we've all been hurt by leadership. Let's just be honest. We've all been hurt by leadership. We've had leader, We've had bosses hurt us. We've had leaders hurt us. We've even in the church, we've had pastors hurt us and other leaders. And I understand all that. But there are times that we've got to trust leadership because if you've ever been in leadership before, there's something about leadership, and maybe this will help you, not even at church, but at work. Sometimes in leadership, you know about stuff, and you've got to make decisions based on stuff, stuff that you can't tell everybody else. Now, I know some of y'all are like, I don't know what in the world. Some of y'all are like, dear God, he's right. Yes, there are some times that leadership has got to make decisions based on stuff that they can't tell. Can I tell you, there, there has been, I've got to be careful right here. I, 
I had, a, I had finally, the pastor that followed me at Loosedale finally let somebody in on, a, on something that they wondered why I made that decision. After I was long gone for there, I had to make a decision, a decision based on information that I couldn't just get up in the pulpit and share with everybody. And there was a brother that just didn't understand it. And years, years after, I think I was already here, and, and the pastor there came to him and asked him again, him about why I did what I did. And finally, he laid it out for him, and he's like, oh, I understand now. You see, fishermen, they were dependent and trustful. What else were they? They were diligent, and they were persevering. You see, God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to be faithful. He has called us to keep on, to keep on. Uh, uh, they used to say it like Brother Frank Samples used to tell me this all the time. He'd say, keep pouring hot lead in the same hole, and after a while, something's going to give. I'm going to say that one more time. You keep pouring hot lead in the same hole, and after a while, something's going to give. Can I tell you that when you're witnessing to somebody, or you're leading a church, or you're leading a Sunday school class, or anything like that, can I tell you that, listen, I'm, I'm getting into it again because I hate social media so much. Everybody gets into all these posts, and we've been, we've been to our youngest, Molly Kate, just got on Instagram. And so we're trying to tell her, don't you base your self-worth on social media. Don't you base your self-worth on, on likes and who likes it and who don't like it and all this kind of garbage because you study statistics and you find that so many young people are different. But not just young people, older people, pastors are out there, and they see these other churches, and they're good at filters, and they're good at taking posts where there's 30 there, but it looks like 3,000 are there. Oh, Jesus, help me today. I Just help me stay in the spirit here. And we can so easily, we can so easily, and, but reality is this. What we were telling Molly Katie is we post, and Lord knows as a family, the picture that we post, they came in my office and we took a picture. And I don't know if they'll post it or not. But let me just assure you, that picture that will get posted was not the only one. There was one where I'm looking and I'm cross-eyed. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. Say, where are you going with all this? I'm going with the fire of being diligent. Let me just tell you this. Life and church work and everything else is not as glamorous every single day as we want to try to put on like it is on social media. And I'm telling you that Fishermen were diligent. Listen, I told you about the storm. We like to sell it. There was a story where they pull in all the fish and the boats are sinking and the nets are breaking. But there's also times where they went out there and they didn't catch nothing. Listen, there's, there's services. There's services like last Sunday where the Spirit of God is moving. And, and I'm just like, I, God, I'm going to obey you. I don't know. I thought if I called a Jericho march, everybody might just stand there and look at me and stare at me and I'd preach. But God's folks got to marching and God blessed last week. Listen, there are those kind of services. There's services where we come in and finally, after about 30 minutes, everybody's here that's going to be here and it's a good crowd. But I've also walked into a building and I'm like, dear God, where is everybody? 
I've also actually I've walked into places, into services, and it was as dead as a hammer, and it stayed that way the whole time. What are you saying? I'm telling you, if you're going to be a fisher of men, there's going to be times where you're going to witness to somebody, and they're going to say, yes, I want to accept the Lord. Yes, I want to know God. Yes, I want to go to church. But then there's going to be a lot of other times where they're going to say, you know, I'm just not interested. Or, no, I don't care anything about it. But you've got to be faithful. You've got to keep on keeping on. Don't you give up. Do not quit. You've got to persevere in being a fisher of men. They were intelligent and watchful. You see, there's something about fishermen. They watch the weather. They watch the seasons. And they adjust accordingly. Now, I know that they were caught in a storm at one time. And I'm not going to give you the weather report. I preached on that a little bit. How sometimes there on the Sea of Galilee, because of the setup there, there could come in sudden storms. But for the most part, if the fishermen saw a storm coming, they weren't going to go out that day. They were intelligent. They were watchful. They were watching the signs. They were watching the seasons. Listen, if you're going to be a fisher of man, you've got to watch the signs and watch the seasons. There have been some people I could talk to, I could tell there was a brick wall built. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. They didn't want to hear about nothing. And I wasn't about to go over to that brick wall and start trying to kick on it and beat on it because it's going to do about as much good as I'm doing right there. But there's also been times where I've talked to people and I could sense an openness and a receptiveness and a readiness. You've got to be watchful. Watch the seasons. They're willing to work. Fishermen are willing to work and they're self-denying. I know that we have turned church over the last 20 or so years. We've turned it into a commercialized, what can, can I give you the best for your buck? There used to be a day where when people came to church, they knew, hey, I'm a part of this church and I'm here. I got to work. I got to do something. I got to serve in some area. I got to serve. I got to teach a class. I got to get locked up in the nursery with them kids every once in a while. I might even have to teach those teenage boys or preteen boys every once in a while. They were willing to work. They were self-denying. But nowadays, as a pastor, sometimes I'll get those, you know what, we were just so tired from the weekend. We were just going so much. We just couldn't make it to church, Pastor. We were out on that ball field. It was just so hot, and we, just, we were just so tired. We couldn't make it to church. Oh, God help us. I'm moving on. I'm almost done. What else were they? They were courageous and they were not afraid to venture on a dangerous sea. Let's just be honest. It takes courage to witness. Especially today in this environment. It takes courage to open your mouth and talk to somebody about Jesus. Why? Because we are always fearing rejection. Fearing that somebody won't want to hear it. Fearing that somebody will not want to hear it. Listen. We have got, I can't even remember. I'm sorry, whoever it was. I've had a whole lot of conversations this week, and they're good conversations. But somebody was even talking about this past week and, and, and how, you know, we need to get back to the place where we're so courageous and stop just saying, hey, you know, 
I won't pray for you. I wish if everybody that really prayed like they say they pray, here I go again, on Facebook, I believe that there'd be revival in this land. But what if? What if? I ran into Brother Mark in Kroger yesterday. Now, he didn't tell me he had any prayer requests, so, so I didn't have to. But when's the last time you've been up in the Kroger and somebody said, you know, things just going, I just need the Lord to touch. When's the last time? I thought, well, you know what? Right here, right here by the cantaloupes, let's just stop and pray. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when's the last time? We, we used to do some of that. We used to do, listen, we, we got to be ready. We got to be willing. We got to say, hey, anytime, anywhere, God, I've got to be ready. I've got to be willing. I got to be courageous. So what if somebody I know walks by and there I am speaking in tongues by the cantaloupes? They already know I'm crazy anyway. <laughs> Lastly, musicians, singers come and take their places. They were eventually successful if they were going to make a living at it. See, someone who never catches anything is not truly a fisherman. I've probably told some of you before, I, I mean, I grew up, if you don't know, I grew up just up the road in Houston, grew up where my parents still live out there. We got several different ponds, and, you know, I was raised a country boy, but one thing I never did really do is fish. And some people say, well, why don't you fish? Let me tell you why I don't fish. I had a couple little rod and reels. I had some cane poles. And I'd go down. I remember I was young, young. I can remember going down, going down to one of the ponds and sitting there 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 and did not catch a thing. I don't even know to this day if there's even any fish in those ponds or not. And after that, it was like, fishing is stupid. And it broke me from it there. I never have cared anything about fishing. So let me just say, as a true fisherman, I am absolutely not a fisherman. I might have caught one, maybe two fish in my whole life. I am not a successful fisherman. Let me tell you something sad. A statistic says 95% of all Christians have never won someone to Christ. I'm going to say that one more time so it sinks in. 95% of all Christians have never won someone to Christ. Folks, we have been called to be fishers of men. We have been called to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. Statistics. I, I, I'm, I know I keep saying that, but look, that's one thing. Numbers don't lie. As long as you're doing them right and you're not doctoring them, numbers don't lie. And the stats are this. People that actually come to church... They say that the main vast majority of why they come to church is not because they saw a billboard, not because they drove by and thought it was a pretty 
building. The vast majority of people that end up coming to church say the reason they came to church is because a friend or a family member invited them to come to church. And, and with that statistic is also a caveat that they invite them and they say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit by you. Come find me. In other words, I'll meet you at the door. I'll meet you in the parking lot if I got to. And you come and you got somewhere to sit. You ain't got to walk by. You ain't got to walk in and look around and see if you can find somewhere to sit. Sit by. No, I want you to come to church with me. And if you will do that, you text me when you're in the parking lot. I'll meet you in the parking lot. And you come and you sit down. I will sit with you. The vast majority of people who began to come to church said it was because a friend or a family member invited them to church. Now listen, I'm not saying nothing else is, in, uh, is effective. I've been seeing other churches. I've been seeing other churches. Listen, I was at walk-ons. We was waiting to get in Monday. Me, Rachel, and Jared was out there watching that digital billboard out there because we had nothing to do till they'd let us in to eat. And we saw a walk-on. It'd come on. And then I even saw another church on there. Listen, hey, I'd love to, love to one day, but it, it would just do my heart good. To on a Saturday, game day one day, folks start coming in on 12, start driving in there, on look on those digital billboards and say, Starful Church of God welcomes you to come worship with us. That would, that would just do my heart good. But listen, you know what? That's not even the most effective way there is. The most effective way is when you invite them. That co-worker that you know needs to come to church, you invite them. That friend that you know needs the Lord, you pray for him. You witness to him. You invite him to church. That family member that you know good and well, they need Jesus. So you pray for him. You invite him. You bring him to church with you. Jesus has called us to be fishers. All of us, not just the preacher, every single one of us have a responsibility to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you will, please. I kind of stopped and I didn't elaborate as much as I really want to, but I'm going to come back to this. Because I'm about to give this altar call. The fact that Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I know that some of you think, there's just no way I'm not that charismatic. I'm not that great with words. I just don't know how I could ever do it. Well, you in your own cannot. But Jesus said, he will make you. He will anoint you. He will give you the words to say. And not just that, as we talked about earlier, He'll go before you and start to work on their heart. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to fulfill that call that God's got on my life. This is not a call that you want to become a, a pulpit preacher, although you may. This is not a call that you want to be a pulpit preacher or anything. This is a call that I believe God has given to every single Christian to 
be a fisher of men. If you say, Pastor, I want to allow Jesus to more than ever make me a fisher of men and women, would you come and find a place in this altar right now and just say, Lord Jesus, take me. Take me and do that. Take me and do that. Take me. Make me a fisher of men. Help me to be a witness. Come on. Come on right now. It's all right. These altars are open right now for you. If you say, I want to fulfill the call that God has on my life, I want to be a fisher of man. Jesus said he would make you. You don't have to do this on your own. He's not sending you out by yourself. He's going to go with you. And not only will he go with you, he's already going to go before you. If you've been praying and saying, Lord, go before me, he'll prepare the hearts of the people before you ever even get there. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, anybody else, you say, I want to fulfill the call of God. I want to be a fisher of man. I want to be a fisher of man. I want to share the gospel. I want to serve him. I want to do what he's called me to do. In Jesus' mighty name, as they begin to sing, church, let's just begin to pray and say, Lord Jesus, take me and use me.